Welcome to the Christian Marauder Show. I'm so glad you all are tuning in right now. Well, today is a special day because it's a time for a Q&A, a question and answer time here on the Christian Marauder. As I'm taking the break from some doing some video prep and uh, editing, I'm taking a short break from that. It's the Christmas season coming up. I'm going to continue the series that I've been doing with some more newer stuff as it comes along. And I hope you're enjoying that series about the Judas generation because I want to explore in the future its effect in the church and how it's working behind the scenes in the church big time, producing an age of Laodicea. But for now, I'm just going to answer some questions that have come to me about Bible numbers, the occult. With that, let's get started and look at some of these questions. I'm going to read the questions, put them on the screen for you, and then answer them the best I can, folks. How did you come to study the meaning of numbers? I mean, why did you waste your time doing this? That's what someone said. Okay, let me answer this. Well, it was by divine accident, all I got to say. I wasn't looking to it. I wasn't trying to find anything, uh, any any mystical meaning of numbers. Numbers to me, you know, I had trouble with math in college and stuff, got through all that. But, you know, um, I kind of stumbled across this guy named Chuck Missler. And some of you know the late Chuck Missler, and I used to watch his Koinonia Fellowship when it came on a Christian station here. I don't remember which one on TV. I just watched it a lot. And he had, uh, back then, old VCR or, you know, recordings of it you can rent and, and watch. And I was fascinated when he talked about doing Bible studies. And he did one on the meaning of names. Always apply name meanings in as you're reading the Bible, because the name have meanings, and for some reason, they add a depth of meaning into the text that you otherwise miss. And if you're joining me, uh, join my live stream on Saturday morning on the Christian Marauder, and I'm doing a, a series on in Thessalonians. I finished up uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. You'll hear a little bit about this in, in chapter 2 as I go in there. So, as well as other numbers, I might go into the book of John and show you a few chapters and how names add meaning to it. All that's from Chuck Missler. And Chuck Missler also talked about the meaning of biblical numbers, but at that time it was very hard to find any documentation on uh, what biblical numbers mean, except for the routine bullet point definitions like five means grace, whatever. It's like Chuck Missler say, five is the number of grace, so forth, etc. And he went through... Um, Matthew chapter 4 about the woman at the well and how she found grace and I thought that was fascinating he showed a few other things about the meaning of basic number meaning over the years you know it intrigued me and I tried to to look at it and I couldn't find too much on it then with the uh, tell you probably how old I am but with the advent of the internet getting more sophisticated and which I think uh, uh, a few years ago it might have ran slower but it was a lot better because you could and uh, you, you you did have free speech, actually. Nobody uh, tried to ax you for disagreeing with young the young gods of super tech who have no life experiences dealing with in real life with real life people who have real life experiences that are not like theirs. You know they don't they don't respect other life views. They say they do, but they certainly don't respect the vast majority of people. And so. Uh, with that background, and you know, I just started looking up in the internet when it was good and found that there was a thing called Bible numbers called the Odeot, O-T-O-I-T, the Odeot. The Hebrew letters were 
numbers, and the numbers were based upon ancient Hebrew letter, the Paleo-Hebrew alphabet. Some people get really upset when you get start talking about this. But, you know, let, let them get upset because they haven't heard what I say about it because some of the things I actually agree with them on. But, the, so the Hebrew letter system is pictographs. And the pictographs were used to convey, a, a, like, the root meaning of a, of a number, okay? Like, number five was a guy with his hands in the air like this. And it means simply behold. Pay attention. Pay attention, dummy. Something is coming up. Or there's, there's, there's going to be grace. Or there's judgment coming. There's some type of message. Some type of revelation is going to be revealed. That was the root meaning of the number five. So, the woman at the well, it was like she was going to receive a revelation as you read the context. Because you got to have a context in order to interpret the numbers. This is what I found out. That she was going to receive a revelation. Well, is she going to receive a revelation of judgment? Or a revelation of grace? Was she trying to escape? judgment to find grace and the answer is yes in the text and in all the commentaries verifies that fact about this woman so right off the bat translating it according to the context that is found in it adds a little depth of meaning to the bible text so that's that intrigued me immensely about bible numbers and from there i did this long research i went through Hebrew sites, Jewish sites, Hebrew sites, and a lot of them were in the Kabbalah, and were bringing uh, Pagatherian uh, stuff, uh, numerology and Chaldean numerology in their interpretations, and to me that was anathema. That's the occult. Stay away from it. Don't want nothing to do with it. So, and then I found some other sites that were consistent, and one of the sites I loved. All I can find is the charts the guy used. I can't find, and I can't find all of them. But he had a list of a lot of the numbers, the Hebrew numbers, in a bullet point definition. And it was great how he did that. Then I found another one. It was Bible Numbers for Life. And I contacted him, talked to him a little bit through the internet and email. And and on his site, he mentions pretty much what he says to me about, you know, you have to have Bible themes. And these themes are based on this, that, and the other thing. So I found out that... The way to interpret Bible numbers correctly is type in, you know, type in the number five. Go through the Bible and see where it, on your Bible software, and see how it's translated, and you'll find shades of meaning. Now, not every number is covered, but so there's 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. But And so to translate the numbers uh, 11 through 19, and from 21 to 30, and so forth, etc., like that, that are not in the Hebraic alphabet, um, take some doing, but I, but you have to look at the themes, type those numbers in, you find a, a shade of meaning. And, it, and I found out that what I was learning was that these were like a dictionary definition that we have in our own dictionaries. They're shades of meanings if it's used as a verb or an adverb. And, that, and then I found out that you have to translate this using Hebrew grammar, even in the New Testament. Just because it's Greek, you just don't use the Greek. You have to think Hebrew reading Greek. It takes a takes a bit of time and practice to do. And so when you put that together, you leave out the Kabbalah, you leave out the occult teachings and numerology, all that stuff. So that's how I found the meaning of numbers. So I made a huge list and um, 
of numbers up, to, you know, and I learned how to interpret the larger numbers using the, what do you call it, the prime factor method and how to have the context and what to do. So I found out that a few sites that I found and some of them I posted on in my description and stuff before is that they were consistent and they added depths of meaning that others missed and they were consistently in the ballpark of each other. Others that weren't and used angel numbers in the trash can, they went. And so I just found that, and I found that the biblical numeric system uses uh, math formulas that I've gone over in some of my videos, uh, simple math formulas like adding numbers together and adding them up, and that's it. And there's different ways to do it, and they, it's an amazing thing, just amazing thing what I was finding. And added added a depth of, of of information into the text that's verified by commentaries, which is odd. I mean, you think that you can just make anything up with this? Well, some people do, but but when you stay with the context and you interpret the numbers toward the context, it's almost like God's commentary in the text. It doesn't have any secret revelation in it at all. It's just like a commentary. So I learned in the first few verses of, of where there's some numbers mentioned and interpreted to the flow of the context, I ended up finding that I almost found the meaning of the paragraphs ahead in the meaning of the numbers. It was like just like a, a running commentary. It's like someone wrote a commentary. And, and it was, I called it God's commentary. And some people get mad and they say, well, you know, the, all this Hebrew letter and all that stuff and you get into gematria. Well, gematria has its place, but it's not the wherewithal. And I'm with people who, who, who say that, uh, that the people will use the Hebrew letters and then they type out each individual letter according to the hieroglyphs of the pictograph meaning. And it only works in a few names and a few things and a few nouns. But other people try to add all kinds of stuff in there. And I tell you, you get off in a land of wackiness if you do that. That's not how it works. And gematria has its place, but it's not the wherewithal how to interpret everything. You'll miss it. And people have been missing using gematria for years and not even knowing it. So, so I kind of stay away from that. I know how to understand it and I know how it's used to the extent that I do. I'm just advising you it's not the wherewithal of interpretation there's some interesting things and in how things uh, put together and mathematically with the numbers come up like the first uh, seven words of the book of Genesis in the beginning God created the heavens and earth okay and you look up those and on the right side it adds up to I think 30 yeah, 37 and on the left side of the equation of the line it, it reduces to 73 see and it's just reverse numbers i mean there's patterns there that you see that are important that god is trying to say something you think that you know that stuff is okay but i don't get into that and i advise people kind of look at it with interest take a lot of salt and don't just just because yahweh they interpret yahweh or yehovah and without the valves in it, you know, the one who has the nail in the hand, however that they, they say, it's not how it works. I mean, that's, it applies to those cases, but not 100% of the time you can do this. You can't go to Hebrews, no, um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, 
and add and look up all the hieroglyphs there and, and, and derive some secret message out of it. If you are, you 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 need your head examined. That's not how it works. And you're setting yourself up for something. So that's how I started with the, the Bible numbers. And over the years in practicing this and developing this, I kept finding more and more. And I did everything I could possibly do to disprove my own findings. And I could not. In fact, I kept getting them verified. And as I said before, I even found a code, a secret code in the scripture that um, I don't share because I, I went, I start in Genesis chapter 1, working on it, chapter 2, chapter 3. I went back to chapter 1 to, to do some more math formulas that I learned by interpreting Genesis chapter 6. Because what I was finding correlated to Genesis chapter 6 in the first three chapters of, <laughs> of Genesis about the Nephilim. And so and I shared some of that on my prior videos on biblical numbers. And so from that, I uh, went back with those same formulas that I found in Genesis chapter 6 that uncovered this stuff in this secret code I caught. I was doing Genesis chapter 1, and what I found was so shocking, and, and uh, this doesn't happen <laughs> too much, but the power of God fell in, in, the, in the room where I was working. I was upstairs at the time, not in the basement, with a green screen like I am now. Uh, and I fell on the floor, and I could not get up because I touched something very holy, separate. And it was like, don't go any further. And I, I said, Lord, I cannot teach anybody this. I can't share it because people would abuse this. This is too holy. This is incredible. And I was, I, I was all shook up. I mean, and I felt like the heavy hand of God on me. And then, you know. And now, if the Lord permits me to teach that, I will, but I do not want the land of wacky idiots who think that they can use this secret formula to divine some secret message from God how to win the Powerball tickets or your best days are ahead. That's not how it works. I mean, uh, I, the Lord was very firm with me, showing me that's bad news if you do. And I didn't want that responsibility, so I just, to this date, kind of said, Lord, I can't share it. That's what I left it at. And people go, oh, they, they've discovered this. Yeah, if you have, let me know. Um, it's very, you can you can just write just a couple of sentences and show me that you know it. I know what I'm looking for, if, if that's the case. If not, then uh, I know that you haven't discovered it. So, just telling you. Anyway, so this comes to... Uh, next question after that it was almost like a process the lord um put me on and in this process i ended up discovering that there are you know uh is an occult version of numerology which is far different than the biblically based system and with its word meanings that i'm just talking about the occult uses other types of math formulas that are totally different than the biblical ones do uh, the Chaldean system really doesn't work in the Bible. Neither does the Pagatherian. The Kabbalah doesn't work. I'm just telling you, it doesn't. Uh, the Biblically-based number system works in the Bible. It doesn't work in the others, okay? And only rare circumstances it will. I did find it in the guide stones. I found God answering uh, the message to, in those guide stones, what he's going to do. And it ain't pretty. It matches what happens in the book of Revelation, so to speak, about 
judgment's coming against you. He's going to repent or turn or burn. That's basically the message that I found. Stop it. That's what he's saying to the people who uh, want this um, age of Aquarius. So I ended up discovering that there is an occult version to the numerology, which is far different than the biblically based system and, and its meanings. Okay, the occult uses other types of math formulas and algorithms. Uh, the Chaldean system uses a reduction system and repeating sequences and number. The Chaldean system is allegedly the oldest that's based upon the uh, Babylonian script or alphabet and is brought out in the symbols used in modern-day tarot cards. I have nothing to do with tarot cards. I hate that system but and all that stuff. And I did not want to explore any of the thing about the cult. I did not want nothing. I have a personal aversion to the occult world. Uh, it's due to my experience. I'll talk about this later. Uh, my after-death experience. It's debatable. People have a right to question it. That's fine with me. But what I experienced down there was a demonic world, and there's something I just did not want to look at or remember, and it's very hard for me. And so when I realized that the Chaldean system in numerology came from the occult world, especially the Chaldean system in the Kabbalah, which is based on the Chaldean system, part of it is, and the Pagatherians, kind of a mishmash of different systems. But it they use what is known as a reduction system in repeating sequences of numbers. And from there, you derive a meaning also based upon the context. Without a context, you cannot interpret it. To hide that, the um, occult world will use... Uh, your letters of your names to spell out your destiny, or they'll get you hooked that way. And it's a bunch of Babylonian stuff, literally. And don't get involved in it. And the Lord led me to do this, and I did not want to do it. I kind of said, Lord, I don't want nothing to do with the occult. You know, I saw what I saw. I, these these de demonic entities, these fallen watchers that are behind this stuff, they're, you're, they're malicious, they're mean, they're the most cruelest, heartless things on ever I've ever seen and ever had to confront. They are the evil is so diabolical. These entities know how to uh, manipulate your emotions to create chemical reactions in your brains to make you fearful, lust, or whatever, and actually addict you to certain things, and then control you from that. These that's how diabolical these things are. So I just did not want to do it, but the Lord said, you know, like a, like you know, you got to do this. And there was like the heavy hand of God uh, was was like saying, you need to study this. You need to tell people about. It. I said, no, Lord, no, Lord, I don't. So I learned about biblical numbers. Then all of a sudden, he kept. Re I just kept. I got to study this. And and then I said, Lord, I don't want to study this. I don't want to do this. And it was like a heavy silence, like with a lot of patience and kindness on it. And just like 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 someone sitting back waiting for you to uh, finally agree. So I said, okay, I will, because I just read Gary Wayne. I read some other articles, Christian articles from various scholars and, and people in, and like, uh, you know, the late Walter Martin and, and other people who did this. They use uh, research and they put their notes in their book. 
And if they could read this stuff and maintain their sanity and not go crazy, not violate any scripture, then I guess I can. So, okay, Lord, what am I to do with this? Okay. So he took me to study the guide stones. And so, and it was like, what do you see? Well, I see a bunch of numbers. Add them up. Reduce them. Do the Chaldean system. You got the documents there. They're online. They're easy to find. I did the same thing. I find the consistent ones, found the same meanings, and they, they use a reduction model. And there's only, they use different numerology, different method, totally, and a reduction system. And so when I did my series right now that I'm on, on the guide stones about the age of, leading up to the age of Aquarius, I only showed one set of reduction formula, but there are more. With that little bit of tidbit of information, I'm going to share with you on that right now. So you'll need to look on your screen in a minute. And so uh, I think I only showed you about three math formulas that the Chaldean system uses in that uh, system in the Judas Generation Prophetic Fingerprint series. I just add it on to the Prophetic Fingerprints Right now we're up to number seven and I'm taking a break from it now so just because I need a break from it and get on some new material. But let me show you another math formula seen in the support stones in the central pillar. Okay. And section three and section four on the explanatory um, stones say that the uh, both the central pillar and the four support stones are 16 feet, 4 inches, or 4.98 meters high. So I showed you the reduction formula, formula where you get 16.4 16 is 1 plus 6 equals 7, and 7 plus 4 equals 11, and 1 plus 1 equals, and you reduce 11 to 1 plus 1 equals 2, so you get 7, 11, and 2 to work with. But there's another formula that goes in reverse. You just simply go in reverse. This is the context of the occult world. As above, so below. You got to think in that way. You got to, you know, you got to, one goes one direction. What, what happens if you take it the other direction? And so another formula reverses the direction like this. You, instead of one plus six, you know, you do four plus six equals 10 and 10 plus one equals 11. And then you have one, 11, one plus one equals two. And you have these numbers. 10, 11, and 2 to add to the interpretation, okay? So what I found fascinating when, I'm, when I found this is true in the occult world, it uses uh, sequences of numbers, pairs of numbers, okay? They appear. And so I looked at this. So what pairs of numbers on your screen do you see? You'll see two 11s, two numbers that are the same, 11, 11, and 2, and 2, okay? Now, what about the next set of numbers in meters? Uh, from left to right, you get the sums are 13 and 21 and 3. You can look on the screen. Reverse this to like this. 9 plus 8 equals what? Uh, 17. Okay. Then 17 plus 4 equals 21. And 21 plus 1 is 3. So you get the sums 17, 21, and 3. So what pairs of numbers do you see? You see 21.2121 and 3.3. Right there, I know that this is Chaldean numerology that is in these stones of whoever designed these. They knew what they're doing. They're, they're conveying a plan here of what they're going to implement. So with that, 
I look up the paired numbers here. And what does 11.11 mean? 11.11. Now, I want to say this. If you're seeing these numbers a lot, I'm going to address that in a minute. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and so forth, etc., and host of wickedness in heavenly places. In the demonic world, folks, we're at war with us. And you got to realize, if you're seeing these numbers, what to do about it, okay? So 11.11 .11 means this. It means staying in continual contact with spirit guides. One gains greater spiritual awakenings, greater intuition, insights, and greater enlightenment to achieve greater authority, favor in the world. These spirit guides got to note these are demons these are fallen angels they open the doors for success to achieve or find a new beginning that's the kind of the my summary of the reader's digest summary of what those 1111 means that is not a good number because why it talks about contacting spiritual guides spirit guides how do you know which ones to contact so the fallen entities that a person is to contact is identified by 11.11 .11 and 2, 2 together. Like this, 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 2 plus 2 equals 8. And 8 is a number for Saturn, Kronos, Moloch, Enlil, who's a fallen watcher. It's also contacting all under his command. So the fallen entity that you... that this 1111 it wants you to contact is saturn and his minions in the occult world that's big okay and then you add two and two together and and you get four okay so 1111 you get 22 22 is two plus two is four so then four is the number of earth which was originally mother earth or gaia some people say sumerius this is gaia Mother Earth. And later in the occult world, which is they use now, it became Uranus, which is her son and her husband, which is the Nimrod story. These are the spirit guides that people who follow the stuff in the occult world are contacting. The same entities that require you to burn a baby alive in Moloch's arms in ancient pagan world to sacrifice innocent blood in order to attain more power folks is the spirit guide behind 1111 and i rebuke that in the name of jesus if you're seeing that number all the time just know something that is not a good number and you got to rebuke it in the name of jesus okay you have the authority as a christian you don't have to take these numbers something's trying to bamboozle you okay this is not a positive number and if you always see them throughout the day you got to realize these are just numbers. They mean nothing. Tell that to yourself and rebuke it. God has not given you a secret message. He's not taking a Bible verse out of the Bible like 111 and teaching you to that you're going to have buckets of dollars falling in your pocket based on some obscure scripture that's talking about giving birth to babies instead of money falling out of heaven. But I mean, I'm just telling you. If you're falling into that trap, you're, you're getting under the sway of Saturn, Uranus, and Mother Earth. They're not a good combination to be in. You're getting in under the control of the principalities, rulers of darkness, and the host of wickedness in the heavenly places, and the demonic forces and their legions is what's happening. you got to rebuke it. God's not giving you some secret method or formula for success either. He's not getting, God's not going to give you some works earned blessing. 
So how do you get rid of seeing these numbers? Well, you apply the word of God against it. Find a scripture, whatever. And it is written, in God and only him will I serve. Every time you see it, it is written, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. It is written, the Lord Jesus rebuke you in the name of Jesus. These are only numbers. Just remind it, keep doing that, and read scriptures. And I tell people to do this, it takes care of it, Nate. But always knows these are just mere numbers, but the occult world uses them to try to make contact with people, especially Christians. And you're seeing them, rebuke it. I'm just telling you, I'm giving you little pointers of things I've learned. Next, what about the reverse order of the metric system here of 21, 21, and 3 and 3, okay? So 21.21 means maintain obligations and responsibility to the spirit guides for guidance. Uh, with a dedicated focus and resolve used during times of trial, crisis, and chaos, without looking back, feel no remorse or guilt for what one has done or needs to do or will do. All this builds self-esteem and improves self-value in another's eyes or other people's eyes by how one handles difficulties that never laments over their failures. That's what that Reader's Digest version of 2121 means, okay? So let's look at this. Let's put all 21 and 21 together. It's 2 plus 2 equals 3. And then 21 again. 2 plus 1 equals 3. And then you have the two 3's together, which 3 plus 3 equals 6. Next, you add 3 plus 3 equals 6. And you, and you add the two 6's together, and you get 12. Or you reduce the 12 to the number 3. In the occult world, they know exactly what I'm talking about here. You've just proven the Chaldean system at work. You reduced it back to 3. Do you see that? You reduce 21 is 3. Reduce 6 is 3. You, th you know, that's how you get those. And so you get these numbers. You get, you find the numbers, sums of 6, 9, and 3. Very important numbers in the occult world. 6, 9, and 3. 3 represents Jupiter. So, so 2121 is invoking Jupiter or Zeus to help you gain ruthless control over other people's lives and over fast amounts of wealth, so forth, etc. Through the help of number six, which is Venus, AKR, Artemis, Ishtar, Azeroth, Diana, goes by many names, the seductive huntress, you know. So you got the legions under Zeus and you have the legions under Artemis to help you. Help you do what? Number nine. So number nine is a sacred number in Chaldean numerology known as a, as the supreme superlative to bring about equilibrium, perfection, and balance into the world where nine acts as the enforcer of karmatic justice, enforcing integrity and honor, so forth, etc. Nine has all the powers of all the numbers, one through eight. In fact, get this, get this. You know who J.R.R. Tolkien is who wrote The Lord of the Rings? Well, J.R.R. Tolkien understood the number nine and used this when he wrote about the nine rings of power that Sauron used to corrupt men into his service. You know the phrase, one ring to bring them all and in darkness bind them in the land of mortar. Nine rings for mortal men. One ring to bind them all and in the darkness bind them to the darkness. That is the best definition of the number nine in the occult world that I have ever read. Because that's what the supreme superlative to is, the, is to unite humanity under the darkness.
J.R. Tolkien was a very wise person. He understood this stuff. So did C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. They understood this stuff. And through these stories, I think they were warning people about uh, evil. <laughs> okay? I, I really do. So, so, Mr. Tolkien borrowed from the Chaldean meaning of the number nine to come up with that line because in Chaldean numerology, nine is to bring about a new order that unites all into universal selfless service to bring equilibrium and balance, basically, of darkness into the world. That's what it's about. So, so the number 2121 comes about through the help of the spirit guides, the fallen angels of J Jupiter and to help one gain ruthless control and dominance over everything, along with seduction of the chaos that Venus, a.k.a. Artemis Ishtar brings, Azeroth brings, along with their legions. So let me give you a better translation of what the number 2121 means. Okay, 2121 means maintain obligation and responsibility to the spirit guides Jupiter and Artemis to use ruthless, dedicated, focused resolve during times of trial and crisis chaos Without looking back, feel no remorse or guilt for what one has done, needs to do, or will do. All of this builds ruthless self-esteem and self-value to others' eyes by how one ruthlessly handles difficulties that never laments your failures are over failures. This is not a nice or sweet meaning, is it? This is invoking ruthless raw power. And it kind of explains what we're seeing with this Build Back Better stuff and the people involved in it. Derek Gilbert brought out in his book, um, I haven't finished reading it, I need to, uh, I have to actually purchase the book. I can't keep going to the bookstore and reading it because sometimes it's not there. Uh, but he puts out in his Age of Saturn book there the connection with some of these leading players in the world scene with Saturn. So here you got it in the numerology found in the Guidestone. So I'm just, just saying, very interesting. So um, maybe J.R.R. Tolkien was on to something when he said, One ring to bind them all, and in the darkness bind them in the land of mortar. Nine rings for mortal men. <laughs> so this leads to the next question, folks. So I brought all that up. As a Christian, why is all this important to know? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Maybe it was taught in churches. Maybe parents would not be losing their kids to the New Age movement, to the occult, and to Marxism. I just want you to think and ponder that a bit. Uh, we give people pabulum in a lot of churches. One thing I like about it, one of my favorite churches and ministers to watch is uh, Charles, Pastor Charles Lawson in Temple Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I go back and I look at some of his older stuff all up there. I call him the American's pastor, and um, he's not afraid to teach this stuff, okay? Other people, like the people, good people at Skywatch TV, are not afraid to teach this stuff. Neither is L.A. Marzulli, uh, Dr. Judge Burton, Dr. Michael Heiser, and others are not afraid to share, and a host of other people who I haven't even named yet um, can teach on this stuff. But largely in churches, people don't touch this stuff, and we're losing our kids, Okay, we're losing our country. Don't you think it might be some importance to, to teach people about how to combat this stuff and what you're going to come up against in school and how to combat this, how to use Christian apologetics arguments and debates with atheist professors in a nice, respectful manner? Don't you understand that 
that might be of some value? Because Ephesians chapter 6.12 is real, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And the church largely ignores this part. Really does. Or they superficially try to fight it. And some of them I've seen try to fight with occult means. I'm not going to get off on that because I can preach for an hour on that right now. Um, because why? Because these beings are not playing fair. They never play fair. They're utterly ruthless. So the next set of question comes, don't you think me, Brian, you are exalting the occult world in your online teachings? That's another question that has come up. So Brian, don't you think that you are exalting the occult world in your online teachings? And my answer is no. I consider it, I'm giving a warning. I never want it, like I said before, I never wanted to study this stuff. I hate the Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil. And to me, that is like having sympathy for the vilest child molester in the world. And, and, and be sympathetic to his gaming and exploitation of innocence. That is whom the Stones glorify. And for years now, with tragic results... Some people, oh, that's just that. That's just nothing. There's no such thing as a devil. Well, what the heck is going on in the world? Wake up and smell some coffee. I pray for the stones. I hope they find Jesus. I hope they all do. One passed away. I can't remember his name, but the others are getting up there in years, and they're losing their looks. Yeah, and the devil ain't going to have no sympathy with any of them, and neither if you, if you don't repent. Okay? And why I say... I have to warn people it's because God dealt with this kind of stuff in the Bible. Ancient Israel kept forsaking God to worship uh, the stars and the planets, which represent the foreign gods, the seven sages, uh, as I call them, which I just named uh, a few of them already. And these are fallen angels, to be more precise. That's who they are. And God warned against this for a reason and judged the gods of Egypt through his servant Moses because of it. Don't you think it was important to God to tell people to stop worshiping idols and doing stuff? Everyone goes back to this verse. Well, they just worship worthless idols of stones that do not hear. Their idols are nothing. That's true. The woods and stone are nothing. But they act as conjuring points and contact points. And that's why God wanted to smash these things to bits in the ancient times. And he wanted to put this stuff away because people come under the influence of the watchers. Why? To get ruthless control over others, to implement these uh, health, wealth, and prosperity through the Balbera spirit, through this spirit, through that spirit. And they kept falling into it. And God constantly warned them, uh, you know, Ezekiel, you know, was told to warn the people about this. So it was a hole in the wall in the book of Ezekiel. He saw a hole in the wall, looked in there, and saw that they were worshiping the stars, the moons, the planet. They were worshiping the occult world. They were worshiping Moloch, all this stuff in the temple. Don't you think it was important to God? It's not important in the New Testament to warn people of this stuff. God dealt with it. Um, I'm telling you, he dealt with it. So I have a strong disdain for the occult world because I never want to study any of it. And I'm going to go a little bit further into why. It's all because of my after-death experience and the evil I witnessed at that time during it. These are evil, malevolent beings who hate us with a vile hatred beyond what our minds can fully grasp. 
So folks, the reason why I held back from teaching this stuff or revealing it, I didn't want to, I kept telling God no about it. I did not want to recall what their vileness was really like. I didn't want to remember or recall the ambience that they projected and how I felt utterly terrified uh, and helpless and abandoned even by God walking in this horrible place, awful place as I, my nickname for it. In front of uh, old lizard breath. <laughs> Watch my testimony. You'll figure out what I'm talking about that. But with much gentleness, the Lord Jesus led me to the Christian books whose writers shared on the stuff, like I said before. And they had, I looked at their research notes and it comforted me to know if they can do it, I can. I've been prodded along enough to do it. So I ended up discovering more than I bargained for. And in the process, I fully understand why God hates this stuff as well. I share that anger about it as well. These fallen entities, everyone talks about how divided and how they're always fighting each other. Uh, well, these fallen entities are not divided, nor are they fighting against each other. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. Jesus himself says so if you don't believe me don't trust what i say argue with jesus take your argument to jesus in luke chapter 11 verse 14 through 23 verse 17 says but he knowing their thoughts said to them every kingdom and divided against itself is brought to desolation a house divided against itself or shall not stand verse 18 and if satan is also divided against himself how will his kingdom stand so let me try to share why people think that the demonic world is always fighting against itself. This is one of the things that I found in discovering in my research. Is that the storylines of the old God simply mirror what these beings are teaching humanity through channeling or through the New Age movement or whatever. And the old storylines in ancient Israel that we read about, you know, the pagan gods that are mentioned in there and their storylines, uh, these are what these entities are teaching humanity. They want you to mirror their teaching, their lifestyle, okay? They are lifestyles of incest, adultery, bestiality. They want to alter genders. They want to seek malice, dominance, control, and power. Overthrowing somebody, tricking someone, deceiving someone. The art of warfare and all manner of vice, drunkenness, glamour, infighting, power trips, and revenge how to be very wily and, 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 and manipulate this to get that, the quid pro quo approach, and, and how to manipulate people to get more and more things. Folks, that is the storylines of the ancient pagan gods, a.k.a. fallen watchers that are mentioned in Genesis chapter 6, okay? That is their storyline. That is what they taught humanity. And that is why people, when they read this stuff, they don't take out the reality. These are lying beings. And they are teaching humanity emulate them. Okay? These were not fighting each other, but rather teaching humanity the mystery of lawlessness. In order to create chaos so they can bring about their order into existence. Out of chaos comes order. Order out of chaos. Okay? How? By destroying God's original order and design and his intent for things and bring it down so they exalt the devil's throne over God's. These beings know all about what we call today human chemistry and biochemical processes that produces pleasure and euphoria and fear. And they use it to control people or addict them to certain ways of thinking 
and also addictive habits, drug habits, whatever. Okay. They are masters at teaching hubris, pride into the very human soul. They are deceptive in it. In the church, there's a lot of ministers and people who can come across as all holy and, and righteous and stuff, and, and that they have the greatest inside scoop with God ever, but they are so hubristically, humbly proud about it, and they don't even know they are. And the same happens in the world of academia, in the secular world, and in the world itself. Be so hubris in your thinking. It's beyond anything that I can even explain. So when I came back from <laughs> um, my little incident here in 1988 when, when I had my after-death experience, I came back um, hating pride, especially in myself. And I didn't know how to get rid of it. But as a Christian, the Lord helps you get rid of it and always be on guard. You have to be on guard for that Hummer all the time. You know, and your brain can get real ballooned up overnight <laughs> and you can think you're really hot to trot stuff then god has a tendency to pop your brain and come crashing down because he loves you and he chastens you and i like to um <laughs> help people avoid that but sometimes the only way to learn so i just like to warn people about their pride because the demonic entities teach pride and pride is so subtle this is hubristic pride i'm not talking about pride and your kid's accomplishment i'm talking about hubristic pride comes in very humble types of pride, very psychopathic and narcissistic types of hubris pride that everyone thinks of, but it's also very subtle or moderate. It's there. you got to watch for it. And once you see it, you see it in people all the time, especially a lot of ministers. I don't say their names, but just pray for them that they repent. So while studying the occult world, my central message remains the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that goes to this other question. So why don't you teach on the uh, on the gospel of Christ more? So that is what my central message is, the gospel of Christ. I always come back to it. I always have to teach people how to combat the demonic world too. It's all part and parcel of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. Okay, gospel message is deep and wide. It's from Genesis to Revelation. That's how deep and wide it is. And it, 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 it's a big message, a lot of stuff in that. Just think. I just want you to think about that. So here's the message. Jesus came and judged the ruler of this world system. That's part of the gospel message. He sets us free from their control. That's part of the gospel message. Okay. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, he replaces that system of the world with the fruit of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, righteousness, and truth. And as Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10 goes on, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Okay? Now, let me take a step back and try to explain this so you understand it. The church is to be the light of this world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. It's called the church, the assembly of believers. And believers are to be a parallel structure in the midst of a sea of insanity and chaos of the current devil-controlled, temporal world system that's run by the devil and his minions okay great light came into the world through jesus great light came through the church to set up a parallel structure that def that shows that there's another way to live other than in the world system with all its insanity how 
through the fruit of the Spirit, taking root and you're learning about it, okay? That is why so much of the New Testament is about learning how to walk and live by the Holy Spirit of God. It's influence in your life. Learning how to love each other. Lots of messages on how to love each other. How to live according to joy and peace. Learning how to show forbearance and patience and kindness and goodness. How to be faithful and remain faithful through difficulties, okay? That's the gospel message. Show in the churches to show gentleness and self-control like how to live according to righteousness and God's truth and finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Okay? Imagine if that was the goal, to be all that in our lives so it can also be inside the church as well. I think people might be running to see this parallel structure, but right now, what do they see in, in our lives? I include myself here. And none of us are perfect, and we God has great grace, and he works to change us. Always, I just know God's changing me day by day, so I'm no longer to sit the same way I used to be 10 years ago or 20 years ago. There's always a change going on, and, and he's improving us as we go. It's called sanctification. So you live by the fruit of the Spirit and show it with your life. Just imagine if churches were all working together in that process, shining that light. People would say, I don't want what uh, the liberal world elite is pushing I don't like CRT. I don't, I like, I, you know, I don't want this system. I don't want to be controlled and dominated and, and, and stuff. You know, I want to live under what God says because it's truth. There are only two genders. There only, there, there is absolute right and absolute wrong. Um, you can't jump out of an airplane at 20,000 feet in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, butt naked and, and hit the water and live. You're not going to live. Okay. You're going to die. There are absolutes out there, folks. There really are absolutes. Close your eyes and, and run to a brick wall and hit your head. I don't recommend you doing that, but that wall is not going to disappear because you decree and declare it disappears. Okay? Or imagine it disappears. There is objective truth, objective reality, objective stuff. God set the objective standards in the Ten Commandments. What is wrong with the Ten Commandments that are summed up by Jesus in Matthew 22 is loving God with all thy strength, thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and loving thy neighbor as thyself. And, and what is wrong with that? Not committing adultery, not stealing, not bearing false witness. What's wrong with that? Well, I tell you what's wrong with it, Brian. You know, it's, it's that God thing. You know, God is mean. Well, you're still here, aren't you? How many times have you screwed up? It's been good to you, haven't you? Well, um, I think you're listening to the wrong thing and you're being deceived by a bunch of fallen watchers is what I think. So imagine if the church had this, this fruit of the Spirit inside and actually shined it. Let me tell you the gospel, the bottom line part of the gospel, if you're still doubting what I'm saying. Jesus died on the cross and became sin for us. He paid the price of God's wrath in our place to show us the iniquity that's hidden deep in our heart that we don't want to look at. Jeremiah chapter 17 says nobody can know the own iniquity. Nobody can just show it. Only God knows the iniquity in the heart. And, he, and Jesus came and he exposed that. How? Well, we deserve wrath, not mercy. I'm sorry. You can argue that you deserve mercy. No, I'm going to prove that you don't. How many times have you betrayed other people? How did you sell out other people? How many times have you manipulated people? How many people have you abandoned? How many people have you put on trial in your mind? How many Christians you thought were just... Ugh. 
How many times you scorn? How many times you mock? How many times you beat? How many times you justify doing all this? How many times you falsely accused others, yourself, and even God? All clearly shown during the 24-hour period before Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross. He went through it all, what we go through. The iniquity was exposed. Now you look at the cross and you see why the devil loses his power. The mystery of lawlessness is broken there, folks. Because we see how we betray and manipulate. We're like Judas. We abandon. We neglect. We fall asleep at the wrong time. We don't stay awake. We don't help. We turn away. Haven't you? If you, you don't think you are, and you're such a good Buddhist, or whatever you think you are, or a good person, let's see you walk on some water. Here's Jesus. Before he gave up the ghost, he was put on a cross. And he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? When he hung on that cross, nailed to it, because we nailed him to the cross. Our sins were actually put on Jesus by the words and the false accusations and by the slap and the spitting on and the mocking and the nails driven in his hand of what we really think about God and each other. Okay, think about it. We deserve wrath and not mercy. And he said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Have you ever cried that? Like, why have you forsaken me, God? You felt that? And you want to know an answer? Well, looking at all the hours, those 24 hours before Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross, explains why. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was crucified. He was innocent. How many innocent people have you hurt, took advantage of, stole from? Jesus also cried out on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he was nailed to the cross, we got to ask ourselves, who have we crucified in some way or another in our lives, stole from them, spat upon them. Then Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, now you do. So, folks, this is the message that I'd just like to leave you with and close with this thought. I answer some questions a little bit later is this. Dear Jesus, we all deserve wrath, not mercy. Just think for a second. Folks, why don't you just pray this with me? Dear Jesus, we all deserve wrath and not mercy, but you, Lord Jesus, shown us undeserved grace instead. Oh, Lord Jesus, can you just say that with me? Oh, Lord Jesus, change my life away from the mystery of darkness, of this evil, vile age, under the control of the evil one. Take me, I'm yours. Forgive me. Praise God Almighty Jesus that you came to set us free for paying my sin debt in full and took on yourself what I deserved. There is none more righteous or holy than you, none as good as you. Nobody else could do this. And forgive me for all the goodness I have slain, I have betrayed, I have mocked, and I have scorned. I thank you through your forgiveness you reconcile me back to the Father. Thank you for doing so. I am now yours. Take me all. I'm yours. Help me change my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, the devil and his minions hate us.
I have that aversion to the occult world, just as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 and 13. Again, I'm reading from the New King James. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Verse 14. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That is why I warn of the evil in the occult world, because God said to, as it is written in Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 21, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dispensation, but be filled with the, with the Spirit, speaking one to another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear and the respect of God. That's why I preach the gospel. That's why I do what I do. That's why I reveal the darkness. What is done in darkness be made manifest in the light. Shout it from the rooftops. That's what we're called to do. Warn people, instruct people of this stuff. Give them a little hope. Teach them the gospel. What, why Jesus came. Expose, use the message of the cross. That 24-hour period before Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross. All the way to the resurrection, too. Don't leave out the resurrection of the dead, too. That Jesus rose from the dead so that grace can be sealed and we can enter into heaven and not be subject to the demons and the world system that hates, deceives, and destroys life, that breaks marriages, divorce, destroys people's lives that you're seeing. You want to blame God for it? No, we're the ones doing it. And God's very patient, trying to wake us up. So awake, arise from the dead. Let Christ bring you the light, the light of the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, goodness, mercy, truth, righteousness, holiness, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, folks. Let that light shine in you so you can shine that out in the midst of a dark, crazy world that lacks none of it. Their idea of mercy, grace, is a string attached. What will you do for me? How much money will you give me in exchange for this? What do I get out of it? What's the bargain? That's the world system. Ruthless, mean, cruel, vile. Well, with that, folks, I am kind of went a little... I'm going to go ahead in this Q&A session. I'll pick up this Q&A session and answer some other questions. But in the meantime, if you have some questions, put them in the comments section for the next Q&A. I didn't even get a chance to address some of the other things I wanted to address tonight. Kind of went off on that for a bit. So I hope you don't mind. You guys be blessed. And remember that censorship is real, folks. Yeah, censorship is really real. Because there will come a time when the censorship will get so hard that you'll have to go to websites like Josh Peck's or other sites in order to get content like this. Okay, so just consider becoming a member of the day. 
Also look at your screen and you'll see my contact information. If you'd like to help me out and support me, all my contact information is on there as well as my book title as well. You can help support me by my book. You can help support me by PayPal account and stuff that is on that screen right now before your eyes. With that, I want to ask you all to be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.